Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local. TelegraphLocal.com. The web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is June the 18th, June the 18th, a Thursday, a very beautiful weather-wise Thursday, a very early political-wise Thursday. We can also call this post-hump day or pre-Friday. Either or is fine with me. We have a lot to talk about today. Quick bits are going to be the Supreme Court DACA decision. Republicans pick Jacksonville, Florida for the RNC convention. John Bolton's new book is on hold. Our serious topics today, our big topics, are going to be uh, serious charges against Atlanta cop in the Richard Brooks shooting. It's a big story, big news, and we've got a lot to talk to you about with that. A bill targeting Google and other tech giants. It's about time they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to start being held accountable for um, for being allowed to have free speech on Google, but not on websites that Google has uh, ads on. And Portland and Washington State Black Lives Matter BLM protest. Yes, guys, it has spread like any rational human being did not realize that it would spread. Well, it has. And it's gotten kind of ugly. Actually, it's gotten real ugly out there. So we're going to go into all those stories and more. Thank you for tuning in to Telegraph Locals podcast, Unredacted. For all news and more that we talk about on today's show, please go to telegraphlocals.com and check us out. You never know. You might actually like what you read on our site because it is opinion-free, unlike this podcast. Let's keep going on the, on the, uh, on the quick bits for the day so we can start rolling along today's show. So um, as you know, uh, John Bolton uh, has a new book. <clears throat> the new book has come out called The Room Where It Happened. Uh, this book goes for $29 for a hardback copy. $29, bucks, that's pretty good. There is a lot of controversy around the book for obvious reasons. President Trump trying to block it, so there's a freeze on it citing national security concerns. Will this ultimately uh, keep John Bolton's book out of print and out of bookstores? I find it hard to believe simply because it never does. I think the goal of the Trump team here is to try to get the, the release of this book pushed off as long as possible as we are in an election year. And for obvious reasons, John Bolton's book came out during the election year, about four months from the, uh, the 2020 presidential campaign. Um, new breaking news on that is that federal prosecutors are now weighing criminal charges against John Bolton for security breaches. Apparently there's a bunch of classified information in this book or alleged classified information in this book that uh, the White House is now uh, saying that it's top secret. Now, allegedly, John Bolton went through a security clearance or secure for this book, but now the White House is saying they didn't. So I'm not sure which side is right. We won't know for some time until this unfolds, and we will be on top of that when it does. 
But President Trump may not be able to block John Bolton's book, but he's determined to blacken his reputation. There was a telling exchange Wednesday on Fox News with Rudy Giuliani, who denounced the former national security advisor. John Bolton had called the president's personal lawyer, who is Giuliani, a hand grenade. A hand grenade. So Rudy Giuliani, the guy who locked up the entire mob and turned around the entire New York City area, as we know it, well, it was safe until a few weeks ago, but from where New York City was in the 80s until six months ago, was really one of the most safest cities on the planet. I know New York City well. Uh, And he's calling the person who did that, the mayor, Mayor Giuliani, who turned that city around, a, quote, hand grenade, unquote. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, Mr. Giuliani goes on to say the ridiculous statements that he sometimes made that we all kept our mouths shut about and his desire for war, which is kind of sick. Rudy called John Bolton a backstabber who was selling out to a book. Look, I'm not going to say I, – I think it's ridiculous to say that John's, John Bolton's book is full of lies. I, I think there's truth in it. And I truly believe that, and I think any rational person would. I think the reality of the president not wanting his book out, especially in an election year, is realistic. You know, President Trump is running for a presidential campaign, a re-election campaign. He wants to do as little as possible to make sure that his reputation is not tarnished. Now, we all have our problems with with uh, Donald Trump. He's, his tweets are sometimes extreme and, and overboard, and he's done some things that – you know, aren't the best of the country. But on the same token, he's done a lot of positives for the country. And I think that's really with any president in history, there's good and bad. We're all human, right? Um, I will say that John Bolton is 70 years old now. His political career is completely over. It's trash. No one's going to hire him. Even in the private sector, I doubt anyone would hire him. So selling a book at 29 bucks a copy is, well, it's probably necessary for him to have a comfortable retirement. I will also add that John Bolton had a chance to testify to Congress during the impeachment trial in Congress and chose not to. And so that does make me a little leery of, the, of what's in this book. See, the thing about writing a book is when you write a book, you're not under oath, right? You can lie and not be held criminally liable for those lies. But yet when you're under oath as such a, a hearing in the House, you are held criminally liable if you tell a lie. And that is one of the big things that makes me feel like the book is not completely credible. I think, obviously, there's some credible information in the book, uh, and I've been able to read a few excerpts from it. And it's pretty, the book is pretty brutal. You know, it does praise Trump, but it's also pretty br- brutal. Some pretty brutal stuff in there. That being said, why is it, John Bolton, that you decided not to testify on Capitol Hill under oath where you'd be held criminally liable, but then again turn around and write a book where you are not held criminally liable. So I think that should, um, that should turn anybody's head for a minute, any, any reasonable, rational person, that should turn someone's head. Let's move on to the Supreme Court rules against Trump administration uh, and his bid to end the DACA program. We all know what the DACA program is. It's the Dreamers program pretty much. It's when um, immigrants, illegal immigrants, came to this country and brought children or children came here by themselves. And the DACA program is something that protects them from being deported, at least until after school and then some period after that. DACA is kind of an old program, and a couple of years ago this was a big thing. And it still is kind of a big thing, but needless to say, people under the DACA program are protected. They're not being deported. I will say up front, and a lot of listeners probably don't want to hear me say this, but I support DACA. I think it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous for children to come here without any, any control over them coming here. No decision was made for them to come to this country. They were brought here by adults or, brought, or, or taken to the border by adults and dumped off. To have them have their whole lives here, go to school, make friends, uh, hopefully get to university, get a job afterwards, <clears throat> and then get kicked out of their own country. Some of these children can't even speak proper Spanish. And the vast majority of the children protected under DACA are from South, South America and Central America. So I am all for DACA. I think at this point in time, why not? Why cause harm, more harm than good, by sending children back who probably, in a lot of cases, don't have many ties to their homelands, to relatives, to the language, to the culture? They've been Americanized, and I think they should stay. Should DACA end for new immigrants? Well, that's up for grabs. I don't know how I feel about that. 
I am, uh, I am pro border protection. I am pro non-illegal immigration, but I don't think DACA covers that because DACA doesn't cover adults that come here illegally. It covers the children of those adults and children by themselves that come here uh, illegally. So yeah, I think the DACA could just say, if you want to end DACA, fine, do that. But by ending DACA, you can't take the kids who are currently protected under DACA, who are now young, young men, young women, and adults, and ship them back home. It doesn't make any rational sense. But the Supreme Court ruled Thursday against the Trump administration's effort to end the Obama-era program that offers protections to young immigrants brought to this country illegally as children. The court ruled that the administration's decision to rescind the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program violated the Administrative Procedural Act. So this wasn't – they didn't rule really on the DACA program. They ruled on the procedural side of that. Right? They ruled on the Procedural Act side of that. So what they're saying is they're not making a decision on whether or not DACA is good or bad or legal or illegal. They're saying procedurally you can't do that. And a five-to-four decision with Chief, Chief Justice Roberts joining the liberal members to offer the opinion, the court said the move to eliminate the program that grants privileges to children who enter the U.S. illegally as minors was arbitrary and capricious, although they did not rule on the merits of the program itself. The Supreme Court goes on to say, we do not decide whether DACA or its recess or its rescission are sound policies. The wisdom of those decisions is none of our concern. Robert goes on to say, we address only, only whether the agency complied with the procedural requirement that it provide a reasoned explanation for its actions. Robert then continues to say, the administration failed to consider the conspicuous issues of whether to retain forbearance, as well as the impact the decision would have on DACA recipients who have relied on the program. That dual failure raises doubts about whether the agency appreciated the scope of its discretion or exercised that discretion in a reasonable manner. The appropriate recourse is therefore to remand to DHS so that it may consider the problem anew. So as for right now, DACA kids are safe, and I think they should be safe. There's no rational reason to overturn that, especially if these are, or, are young, um, successful members of society that we have pretty much bred and raised and helped their entire young life into adults. Why should we not um, be the recipients of the bearer of their fruits? Why should we send them back to South America or Central America to a plan that they're unfamiliar with, to a family they probably don't know if they even have family, to a culture they're not familiar with, <clears throat> where they can stay here and continue to grow and prosper, and at the same turn, uh, be productive members of society, pay their taxes, and maybe even help others. Uh, let's go on. So, you know, again, that's how I feel about that, and I'm sure there's probably some people that disagree with me, but that's fine. That's the whole point of the First Amendment, right? Freedom of speech. Republicans picked Jacksonville, Florida as convention site for Trump to accept nomination. Now, if you guys remember a few months ago, this was a big thing because the Republican National Convention was coming up for August. And where they usually have it in North Carolina, the governor of North Carolina was pushing back over coronavirus fear or alleged coronavirus fears. Because – and the rational side of this, hey, look, it is indoors where all the protests and riots looting was outdoors. So I think there's a there's – a, there's, there's some understanding there that it is a little different. However, at the same time, how can you turn around and say we support rioting, looting, and protesting when you had hundreds of thousands of people pressed together, not nowhere near all of them by far. Maybe, maybe half of them were wearing masks, and they were shoulder to shoulder. Just because they're outdoors doesn't mean they still weren't close enough to spread that virus. And I think it's extremely unfair that President Trump's rally is being attacked because it's indoors with mass gathering as opposed to mass gathering outdoors where people are still shoulder to shoulder. And obviously it's nothing more than a political stunt. And I think that's a, a more than a appropriate way to look at it. The Republican National Committee announced Thursday that it had selected Jacksonville, Florida as the site where President Donald Trump will accept the party's nomination after bailing on Charlotte, North Carolina over coronavirus restrictions. 
The RNC goes on to say, we are thrilled to celebrate this momentous occasion in this great city of Jacksonville, Florida. This was said by Rona McDaniel, who's the RNC uh, chairwoman. Not only does Florida hold a special place in President Trump's heart as his home state, remember guys, President Trump relocated his home address from New York City or New York State down to Florida. Um, so when he does leave his presidency, whether it be in you know, six months or so, or in four and a half years, he will actually be residing in Florida now instead of New York City. So he goes on to say, but it is crucial in the path to victory in 2020. We look forward to bringing this great celebration and economic boom to the Sunshine State in just a few short months. Now, that's one of the things that, you know, they're estimating upwards of $50 million in revenue from temporary jobs, taxes, um, temporary housing, travel, rental cars, all that stuff that's going to go to Florida now instead of North Carolina. Um, and I think this, that's a lot of tax money, especially considering the state of the economy right now because of the, the, uh, the unintended consequences of the coronavirus lockdown. $50 million North Carolina turned down. And they knew that another state was going to take the initiative to allow the RNC convention to go on indoors uh, uninhibited as Florida has now decided to do. So I guess my frustration lies in it's okay for people to protest, riot, and loot shoulder to shoulder with or without masks. All those out there, they're shoulder to shoulder. Just right next to each other. The virus can spread that easily. When it comes to the virus being spread not as easily outdoors, that's when you socially distance. When you're far enough from someone to where they cough or breathe on you, you don't get the molecules, the microscopic molecules um, put on you. But when you're that close together, it's no different. So it's just ridiculous. But you're allowed to, to do all of that to riot, loot, and protest shoulder to shoulder with or without masks. But you can't stand indoors with masks on after your temperature has been taken at a presidential rally. That seems, that seems very one-sided to me. And I think uh, some, anyone who's rational can look at that and see that that's the case. Um, yeah, so anyway, we're going to uh, get into our big topics for the day after this quick commercial break. We'll be right back, guys. Please stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. We spent the last about 20 minutes of the show talking about our quick bits. We've moved on now to the bigger topics. Now, I'm going to go into this. This case is ongoing. It's going to be ongoing for a long, tedious, frustrating amount of time. And that is in regards to the topic of Richard Brooks, the shooting that happened a few weeks ago Saturday uh, in a Wendy's parking lot to where Mr. Brooks uh, was passed out in his car at a Wendy's drive-thru, obviously intoxicated or on something. When approached by police officers after Wendy's had called the police, 
uh, Richard Brooks, and this, this uh, interaction lasted about 45 minutes, was um, questioned by police. He was in, given a breathalyzer. All when the police were extremely polite to him. The, the video is beyond clear. It is beyond clear. And we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, so I won't get into great detail over it. He used to say um, an altercation occurred. They ended up wrestling with each other, uh, Rashard Brooks and the two cops. Obviously, Rashard Brooks is a big guy. The two cops got overpowered, and they were losing the struggle. Rashad Brooks then, Rashad Brooks was then able to grab the cop's taser and start running away. He then turned on the police and shot the taser at the officers. The taser missed one of the officers' head by mere inches. And this is all visibly clear on the video. The officers, in turn, in, in return to this, returned fire, shot and killed Mr. Brooks, uh, the bullet then hitting him in his back. After the shooting happened, the two police officers immediately tried to give, uh, resuscitate Mr. Brooks. They even at one point, you could hear them saying, stay with us, Mr. Brooks, stay with us, um, quote, unquote, one of the officers. And, well, you know, guess what now? Now um, they're both brought up on charges. The shooter, the officer who was the shooter, is brought up on serious charges, uh, 11 different charges, which can lead to a maximum penalty of death. So he is brought up on charges that include uh, the maximum penalty as the death sentence. Now, this was brought, these charges were brought unbeknownst to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or GBI, by the Atlanta DA, Paul Howard. Paul Howard, though, has some issues. I'm going to go into those real quick before we get into the story. Paul, Paul Howard happens to be up for re-election this year for his seventh term. So this, as well, is an election year for Paul Howard, the Atlanta DA. But guess what else about Paul Howard is kind of strange? He is currently under a sexual assault allegation by a former staffer by the name of Kathy Carter. Kathy Carter has filed a criminal complaint and a lawsuit, um, which goes on to say that Carter's suit acknowledges that she succumbed to Howard's advances out of fear that her refusal would result in retaliation or termination. Carter's suit alleges that Howard arranged for a assistant district attorney in private practice to represent her son in exchange for sexual favors. Carter said she was never billed for those legal services. Her suit also alleges that Howard secured her son's release from Clayton County Jail after placing a call to Sheriff Victor Hill. The suit goes on to allege that in 2019, when Carter finally told Howard she was no longer have sex with him, she was fired because of a pretext, a misdemeanor arrest based on what she claims was a false allegation by a person who has been in and out of jail. So Kathy Carter currently has a sexual assault allegation pending against Paul Howard, the Atlanta Day. And it goes even deeper. GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, is now investigating Paul Howard, the Atlanta DA, over misuse of nonprofit funds. The GBI did not, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation did not know these charges were coming against this office, both these officers. This is just totally out of the blue, and I watched the press conference by Paul Howard, and I have to say it was the most disgusting pile of lies I have ever seen a human being create against another human being. Paul Howard gave a completely different story than what visually the cameras showed. Completely different narrative. Completely, I mean, it was a bullpen lie. It was a complete lie. You can find uh, his, his statements made on video in a courtroom as he was announcing the charges. And then you can turn around and watch the video for yourself. And it's a, it's a complete, it's complete lunacy. There was no grand jury investigation or indictment. These charges were brought up just days after this happened. And it was, a, as Judge Napoleon said on the Fox News program, it was a catastrophic mistake bring murder charges against one of the police officers involved in the shooting of 27-year-old Richard Brooks. I will say Judge Napolitano, Judge Andrew Napolitano, is a consultant, a judicial analyst, and analyst for Fox News. 
Napolitano, I hate that's a tough name to say sometimes, stated that the 11 charges against 27-year-old former Atlanta police officer Garrett Roth, including the felony murder charge, which could potentially lead to the death penalty, are grossly inflated. This is Garrett Roth. This is, has to do with a politicized district attorney in Atlanta, Paul Howard, who is not only under Georgia investigation himself, but is also under sexual assault allegations by former staffer Kathy Carter, who is also happens to be up for re-election for his seventh term. It has nothing to do with Garrett Ross. Nothing at all. Now, and give you a little bit more information on the GBI investigation, uh, misuse of, of, of nonprofit funds. Uh, the GBI has opened an investigation on Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard and his use of a nonprofit to funnel at least $140,000 in City of Atlanta funds to supplement his own salary. This was reported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Channel 2 Action News. And this is a criminal investigation. So it has nothing to do with this police officer who did nothing wrong. This guy did nothing wrong. He saved. What if that, what if that's, what, what if when, picture this. A picture, picture Mr. Brooks actually connecting. When he shot that taser, actually connecting to the officer, Officer Roth. And, de- and decapacitating him for about five seconds. What else? What else would Mr. Brooks, Rashard Brooks, be able to do? Go and get this officer's weapon, or should the officer just have turned Mr. Brooks loose on the general public with a stun gun? Which, by the way, a week or so ago, the same district attorney in Atlanta, Paul Howard, said that using a stun gun was considered use of deadly force because he brought officers up on charges. For using a stun gun on a on several people in a car, so he himself a week or two before this said that yes, actually using a stun gun was considered a deadly weapon. If that police officer reasonably believed that Mr. Brooks was using or was about to use deadly force on him, that police officer or his other police officer or general public for that matter. That police officer is then permitted to use deadly force to protect himself and to protect others. The determination of what was in the police officer's mind is not what a reasonable civilian would do, but what a reasonable police officer would do. <clears throat> Brooks, a father of four, was shot and killed almost a week ago outside of Wendy's restaurant where he had apparently fallen asleep in his car in the drive through lane. He allegedly failed a field sobriety test and ultimately was seen wrestling with the officers and running with one of the tasers leading up to the shooting. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard Jr. said investigators had reviewed at least eight videos of the incident, including police body and dash cam images, as well as Wendy's surveillance footage and cell phone recorders taken by witnesses at the scene. So you mean to tell me, District Attorney Paul Howard Jr., That you reviewed at least eight videos. Eight videos. Including police body and dash cam image, which we all saw. And Wendy's surveillance footage, which is clearly online. You can watch it. And taken by witnesses at the scene, and you come up with a completely different story than what the actual video really shows? I think this guy needs to be recalled. I think what needs to happen is the lawyers for this, these, these cops need to ask for a change in jurisdiction. They need to get the hell out of Atlanta or Fulton County and get it somewhere else. But I can't imagine when this goes to a grand jury, any grand jury who hasn't seen this video, and any grand jury that would reasonably assume those police officers didn't act within the line of duty and within the scope of their job, description, and title. And there's no way in hell that any jury would convict this guy on any charges. And it baffles me that this dirtbag, Atlanta DA Paul Howard, comes up, concocts a completely different story. Like, he doesn't think he's going to get found out. You know, he knows it's a lie. He knows he's lying. 
And he's thinking that what? He has so much power. I have, I have so much power that I can convince 12 jurors and the public that his story is legit and the actual video footage isn't? This is crap. In a statement, lawyers for Roth argued that the client used permissible force under the circumstances. Second officer, Devon Bronson, whose attorney said he suffered a concussion when Brooks knocked him to the ground, is facing three charges, including aggravated assault. So the second officer, who was doing nothing more than trying to help contain the issue, the altercation, and get Mr. Brooks into custody after Mr. Roth trying to get him into handcuffs, and he started fighting. Now he's even being charged. But charges that include aggravated assault. And just, and just, this, this dude, Paul Howard, needs to go. Not only that, he should be brought up on charges for filing false police charges. False police charges. He needs to be held accountable for this. And I think he's going to be. I think what you're going to see is he's going to get arrested for this, this investigation, this, this use of nonprofit funds, criminal investigation. I think the GBI is now in hyperdrive to conclude his investigation and get this scumbag Paul Howard arrested and put behind bars where he just tried to put two innocent people. And I hope, like hell, Kathy Carter wins her sexual assault complaint against Paul Howard as well. Guy's a dirtbag, man. Straight dirtbag. I'm not, I'm not I'm the number one fan of police officers, but this, this is utterly ridiculous. Ross going to be found not guilty if this even goes to trial. I have a straight suspicion, too. They're going to pull this DA from the case, and the next DA is going to drop all the charges because they would shoot themselves in the foot. They would commit suicide if they put this case forward to a grand jury or, or to a criminal jury. No one's going to convict this guy of anything. They should be applauded, applauded simply because they didn't let someone loose on the street, Mr. Brooks, who was definitely intoxicated, and had a, according to the DA, Paul Howard, had a deadly weapon in his hand. I, I don't know where some of these guys get I mean, this is, but think about how much this happens when it's not televised and publicized. Think about how many days may do this and get away with it. Or get a bunch of really bad charges against an individual just to be sure they'll plead out to something not as bad. The murder charge was either done because Howard is up for re-election in Fulton County this year or to pander the crowd. Well, guys, you decide what that is. Um, we're going to go into a quick commercial break. When we get back, though, we are going to talk about a story I find hilarious, sad but hilarious, the new Portland and Washington State Black Lives Matter protest and what these protesters did to the mayor's house uh, in both of these towns. That's it, tight. We'll be back shortly. And uh, we'll talk about this. I promise you, you're going to get a good chuckle out of this. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters.
Okay, everybody, welcome back to the second half hour of the show, Telegraph Locals uh, podcast on Redacted. So before the show, we got through a whole bunch of stuff. If you haven't been listening, please go back and listen. It's really important, but this is going to be a funny part of the show. And it's sad, but it's funny, and I'm laughing. And I laugh my ass off at this simply because you're learning what goes around, comes around. So, you know, we have these protests going on right now, um, and they're not really doing too good. They have taken over parts of uh, Seattle. It was six blocks. Now it's reduced to three blocks. It was plastic barricades. Now uh, it is cement concrete barricades that was put down with taxpayer money by people, city workers that are paid by taxpayers. And those, uh, those big concrete barriers are also paid for by taxpayers. But we're not going to go into deep on that part of it, Dave. What we are going to do is um, what we're finding out now, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. In fact, a Washington state mayor now calls BLM protests domestic terrorism after guess whose home was vandalized? You guessed it. Mayor Cheryl Selby had her house vandalized by guess who? BLM protesters. You guessed it. And now she considers them domestic terrorists. In her own words, quoted verbatim, domestic terrorism. A Washington state mayor was fine with the Black Lives Matter protest that followed George Floyd's death in police custody. But that was until vandals damaged her home. Now Mayor Cheryl Selby of Olympia, Washington, refers to the protest as domestic terrorism. This is according, according to the Olympian, uh, a newspaper there in Olympia, Washington. Ms. Shelby, Mayor Shelby, is really trying to process this. <laughs> Saturday, after the rioters, Friday night spree left her, left her front door and porch covered with spray-painted messages. It's like domestic terrorism. It's unfair. Well, no shit. Yes, it's unfair. Imagine being a business owner in those three blocks of Seattle that you supported because it wasn't about you. It didn't affect your life. But now that it does, how does it feel? I bet you're living in a little bit of fear. I bet you have armed guards, which are probably Seattle police officers guarding your house right now. But see, the funny thing is, is that those people who have businesses in that three-block area, they don't get that, that luxury. In fact, the cops don't even come when they're called. Instead, they get trash and garbage and graffiti and drugs and alcohol and crime and, and citizens walking around with assault rifles. Yet they pay taxes and your salary. It's pathetic. She goes on to say it hurts. Oh, <laughs> give me a break. It hurts when you're giving so much to your community. Yeah, imagine taxpayers who are forced to give so much to their community, and now they're not safe in their homes. Their businesses are falling apart. They don't have customers. But you get your front door spray painted over rules that you allowed, and now your little bitty feelings are hurt. Oh, poor Miss Shelby. Bet you this much. I bet you something happens now. At home at the time, so they were not in danger. But some neighbors called the mayor and left and let her know about the damage. It just it baffles me. Until the war is brought to their front door, all of a sudden, it's fine. And then as soon as it comes to their front door, all of a sudden, they're under attack. We have to protect them. Yet they, they failed to protect the same community they swore to protect when they got elected. But yet these people keep getting elected time and time again. The madness is ridiculous. The lunacy is ignorant. And the sad thing is, is they will probably get reelected after they apologize and say they were wrong and pander a little bit. They'll get reelected, and the same thing will happen again the next time and the next time. So in you want changes, you have to make them, the taxpayers and the voters in Washington State and in Seattle in general. She said, let me be clear. The city of Olympia supports the peaceful protest that highlight the racial injustices black people continue to endure at the hands of police in the United States. 
This is something she said before what happened. She also said uh, in a statement that she would not impose a curfew on protesters demonstrating uh, against Floyd's death. This is what she said before her house was spray-painted or graffitied or vandalized, the big V word. But, Ms. Shelby, how do you think your citizens have been feeling for the last couple of weeks? Yes, me. I'm glad you, your house got, got vandalized and spray-painted. You deserve it. Another BLM supporter, ESPN writer Chris Martin Palmer, who commented, burn it all down, burn it all down, when he retweeted a photo of a Minneapolis building in flames in late May, had a different reaction when rioters came close to his house. This was reported by the Sporting News. Guess what uh, Chris Palmer said? You're going to love this. I quote, Get these animals, TF, out of my neighborhood, unquote. Palmer then wrote again, quote, go back to where you live, unquote. So again, once it comes to their neighborhood, their neck of the woods, all of a sudden it's a different story. Truly pathetic behavior. I don't know how how much more pathetic you can get. And Chris Palmer ought to be held accountable for that as well. And it goes on in Portland. That's right, Portland. Portland, Oregon. You gotta love Portland. I've been to Portland. Portland's actually a cool town. Or it was when I was there for about a week or two. Uh, now I wouldn't want to be there, obviously. But hundreds of protesters chanting Black Lives Matter and hands up, don't shoot, were seen on video rallying outside of Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler's apartment late Wednesday night after city commissioners voted to slash nearly $16 million from the police department's budget. So now Portland's Mayor Ted Wheeler is also beginning to feel the effects. Imagine that. Now, your people are, are eating their own. They're cannibalizing their own people. Literally, you're being cannibalized now. How does it feel? It's kind of like, remember the Me Too movement? The Me Too movement was all good and well, and so they started going after politicians. And then if you notice how quiet the Me Too movement became, right? The Me Too movement pretty much stopped because the politicians stopped it. So see, this is all fun and games. This is all good and humorous, and, and uh, the politicians think that or, or, or know they're not doing something good, but think they'll get them votes until it turns on them. And then it's a different story. But yet people continue election cycle after election cycle to vote for these people. You're allowing the people of Seattle, the people of Portland, the voters, the citizens, the residents are allowing this to happen to themselves because they continue to put the same people back into office. When are you going to stop doing that? How much does it take? How much do you have to lose as a citizen before you wake up and your eyes get big and you realize how screwed you've been getting. Do you have to lose everything or just your business or maybe just your house or maybe your parents or your family's business gets lost? Is that enough or is that not enough? Do you also have to lose your house and your business too, your livelihood? So you end up on the streets homeless. The cuts to the police's $245 million overall budget were passed by a three-to-one vote, although so, some protesters had been urging city officials to reduce the department's spending package for the 2020-2021 fiscal year by up to $50 million. Guess what they did to reduce this? A gun violence reduction team is now gone. School resource officers and transit division will now be redirected to social service programs. So what happens when there's a mass shooting in a school? And there will be. As soon as someone realizes there's not a police officer in that school to stop them, what do you think, who do you think is going to protect them? The, the teachers? What, are you going to have a, a pile on by students with an armed gunman? So who's going to be held liable when a child or multiple children in these communities get shot and killed because these protesters demanded money be taken from the police budget, and that money had to be taken where it supports school resource officers and gun violence reduction? What about any of this makes any logical sense? Joanne Hardesty, who is a commissioner, goes on to say, Never in my life would I have imagined that we or any government would be able to cut that much significant resources out of the police budget. I will also go on to say the city's police commissioner also voted yes. The own police commissioner. The old police commissioner, 
voted to reduce money to her to, to their own department. So now you have less cops. You're going to have less cops. I mean, this is just insane. The department's budget was $215 million in 2017 before rising to $232 million and $242 million in 2018 and 2019, respectively, according to the Oregon Live. So I don't know what to say on this. I mean, it's insane. Less police, less money, less protection. Your kids are now not protected by a school resource officer. I'm baffled over this. Oh, my God, man. Sometimes this news gets me. All right, let's move on to the last subject or topic of the day. Um, there's a bill um, being introduced to target big tech companies over political censorship concerns, and this should be concerning. Why is it that all this stuff starts happening in an election year? You know, I was thinking about that last night. These BLM riots, um, police being prosecuted, um, big tech companies are now censoring um, comments and statements, although they're not legally held liable for comments on their own platforms under a law passed in, I want to say, 96 or 98, but they're now allowed to censor other people who post on their platform. Baffles me. Um, but why is this stuff always in an election year? Election years are always the worst, right? Especially the presidential election years, because all this crazy stuff happens. Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican, introduced legislation Wednesday to give Americans the ability to sue major tech companies like Facebook, Google, and Twitter if they engage in selective censorship of political speech. The Limiting Section 230 Immunity to Good Samaritans Act, co-sponsored by several other senators, uh, all Republican, Rubio, Braun, and Cotton, uh, would stop such companies from receiving immunity under Section 230 of the Community Decency, Communications Decency Act unless they update their terms of service to promise to operate in good faith. And they deserve this. How come they didn't start censoring like this until an election cycle, an election year, a very important one, and they're only censoring Republican views or non-Democrat views? Hmm, gee, how hard is this to figure the hell out? It's not that at all. It's common sense. You know, these companies like Google, I mean, they're bellwethers. These companies literally are the beekeepers of free speech. And now they're showing that they cannot be trusted with that free speech. Look, I get people say things you don't like. I get that. I hear it all the time. I don't agree with some of it. I agree with others. But that doesn't mean I have the right to censor them. Just like they don't have the right to censor me or us or you. For too long, big tech companies like Twitter, Google, and Facebook have used their power to silence political speech from conservatives without any recourse for users. Hawley said in a statement, Section 230 has been stretched and rewritten by courts to give these companies outlandish power over speech without accountability. Congress should act to ensure bad actors are not given a free pass to censor and silence their opponents. Now, Section 230 allows these large companies, Google, uh, Twitter, Yahoo, Bing, uh, Facebook, to not be held civilly liable if someone slanders someone else on their platform. Yet they are now taking it upon themselves to censor other people who post on their platform. And this is a, that's just a slippery slope. This is going to be, I'm telling you, this is going to be, they have opened up a can of worms with this. It's insane. The Justice Department is recommending that lawmakers consider legislation that would hold tech giants liable for content posted online. Any such legislation would roll back legal protection the online platform possessed for decades. But i got to be honest with you, what started this was Twitter. When Jack Dorsey started censoring Donald Trump's tweets. Look, you may not like tweets. You may not agree with them. You might not even think those tweets are true. But that doesn't give Jack Dorsey or Twitter or some 22-year-old kid at Twitter the right to censor the president of the United States. Even if you hate Donald Trump, what happens when it's a president that you like? So what you're saying is some, some young adult has the power to censor the president of the United States. That's insane. And you may be saying, oh, I, I don't care. I like that. But you won't be saying it just like the Seattle mayor and the mayor in Washington 
are saying it now that the, the protesters are spray painting their houses. Now all of a sudden it's not the same, is it? And you won't be singing that tune. If you agree with this, you won't be singing that tune when your president's elected and one of these big tech companies starts censoring them. The DOJ proposed extensive changes to the law in question. Extensive. And so all the big tech, tech companies out there, you can thank Jack Dorsey for this one. Section 230 in a report Wednesday afternoon. The report does not call for repealing the statute entirely, but for rolling back immunity for platforms that facilitate criminal activity and for those that don't take action when notified of specific criminal material or activity. So, um, yeah, so that happened as well. And uh, this really got kicked off when the Federalist was censored. Um, the bill was introduced a day after NBC News reported on Google crackdown when Google crackdown against two conservative websites, Zero Hedge and The Federalist, both, by the way, are Republican. NBC News initially claimed that Google banned The Federalist and Zero Hedge from Google ads for pushing unsubstantiated claims about the Black Lives Matter movement. Google later pushed back, claiming that The Federalist was never demonetized. Google says we work with them to address issues on their site related to the comments section. Our policies do not allow ads to run against dangerous or derogatory content, which includes comments on sites, and we offer guidance and best practice to publish on how to comply. But yet, Google themselves does not have to comply with that. Anyway, guys, we're going to get off here for the day. We do have a special guest coming up uh, at 3 p.m. to talk about, of, of, of many things, UFOs, why the United States government and other governments are starting to release actual UFO footage. Um, we think attention needs to be drawn to it because out of the curiosity alone and the wonderment of why we've been told lies all these years, if it is in fact true. But you guys, we're out of here for the day. Have a wonderful Thursday and an amazing weekend. Talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.